You're listening to Reflections, a soul music podcast with Jamie and Ash, where we discuss the classic albums with the classic songs. Welcome to episode five of season two of the Reflections Music Podcast. As always, I'm with my man Ash. How you doing? Good people, very good. Sun is shining, spring is here, so it uh, it feels nice. And lockdown has been eased as well. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, it's still eased, but it is eased now, and it's it feels nice, definitely. So yeah, good. Definitely does feel nice. How are you doing? I'm good. Went out went out to the shops yesterday for the first time in ages. I loved it. It was it was <laughs> it was <laughs> it was like uh, meeting up with an old friend. So yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the sun is shining, so can't really complain. So far, so far, long may it continue. <laughs> All right, so Ash, we've got an interesting one today. Really interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so much to talk. Why about. is it interesting for you? Because, um, I I didn't realize that for me my personal opinion was this is the only angie angie stone album you know mm-hmm. y- you know you've got like all the angie stone songs in your head like all the good ones and then you realize you go back to the first album and then you're like none of those songs are on there and then mm-hmm. then you listen to the second one mahogany soul that's the one we're doing today by the way and then you're like all the songs are on here so then i went to the third album, which was, I think, Stone Love or something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, no songs on here. So it's literally just this one little section. Uh, all, all the best, for me, the best of Angie Stone is in this one album. But then at the same time, interesting because I think for a lot of people, they miss this album. Like they know Angie Stone. You know, like she's like, mm-hmm. she's got this, I don't know, this where she's in this weird position in, in Neo Soul where she's like the, the, the godmother of Neo Soul. Like, you know, she, she sort of like looks after every, she's like the, the warm blanket that you go to. It's like, you see Angie Stone, you're like, oh, it's Angie Stone. Right. But then in terms of her songs and her, her, her profile in terms of artists, I feel like she's just not, she's overlooked a lot. And I've come to realize why, Ash. I've come to realize oh, why. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've come to realize okay. why. But I don't know. I'm, we'll get into it later when we get into the legacy yeah. conversation. But yeah, I think I know why. Anyway, what about you? Angie Stone, Mahogany Soul. Um, so listening back to it, it, it definitely takes me back to that time, which is always nice. It's always the nice thing about going back and going through these albums, it, it takes me back in, in that moment in time of, you know, 01 and yeah, good feelings. Um, but at the same time, when, when listening to it as an album and comparing it to a kind of the, what we've reviewed so far, it's a lot of filler. Mm-hmm. Like it, this isn't, this isn't something that I've, I've listened to and feel like, like I've needed all of the songs on these albums. There's been, there's been albums that we've listened to. So like maybe Eric Benet's one mm-hmm. where you think, okay, we could have, we, we didn't quite need two or three of those tracks, you know, and, you know, we'd have been all right. Like with this one, there's loads of tracks that I don't need. And I just, I either don't feel have a place or I just feel a quite average or mediocre. No, mediocre is the wrong word, but no. just, they're good. They're yeah. like, they're, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. But you know, nothing that, nothing that makes me want to listen to this as a whole body of work. Mm. I would just go and listen to the hits. And it was a problem that a lot of albums had, uh, around that time. Um, but that's doing it a bit of a disservice cause it's not a bad album. It, it is a good body of work. It's just comparing it to some of what we've done. It doesn't stack up in my right. opinion. My humble opinion. Yeah. So I think this album is the flip of a lot of the albums we've done prior where 
I think specifically Voodoo and uh, Mama's Gun and probably Bill Out as well, where we've said the singles are good, but they're not sort of like the, they're not like big hits, you know, apart from, I mean, Untitled aside, they're not like sort of like big hits and or those kind of, they're just like good singles. Whereas, but the rest of the album is just great, right? All those albums, the rest of the album is just so strong, right? And and not packed with filler. Whereas I think with Mahogany Soul, like all the best tracks are the singles, I, I think, which is quite rare <laughs> for me. It's like all the tracks that I remember and I love, barring maybe two, are the singles. But but they're really strong singles. I think they're really strong singles. And which is kind of yeah which which puts us maybe above some of the other albums in in, in if you're looking at it just like how how good the singles are they sound like singles mm-hmm. you know and they're strong yeah and uh which is so different from some of those other albums but then the rest of the album is like oh gosh oh yeah this song i'll skip it <laughs> kind of vibe and then you feel kind of bad but yeah that's how it goes anyway we'll get into that a bit more i'm gonna do the deets you ready to go Go. Yeah, shoot. Release October 16th, 2001. This I did not remember. She was on J Records. So one of the mm. one of the original artists on J Records, right? For me, when I think of J Records at that time, I just think Alicia Keys. That's all I think about. I did not know Andy yeah. Stone was on here. So, interesting. Uh, writers on this album, Stone, Sadiq, raises his head again. He's just all over the place. Um... I didn't know these guys. I know these names. Jake and the Fat Man, that production team. I did not know that they were linked to Sadiq. I didn't know they were like his partners in crime for a bit of time. Okay. I did not know that. Um, Yeah, that came up in research. Um, Jake and the Fat Man, they're two guys. Their names are Glenn Standridge and Bobby Azuna Jr. And they've worked with artists like Khalees, Mary J, Music Soul Child, Anthony Hammond, John Legend. So, decent artists. So, And a lot of the time when you see uh, Sadiq has worked with those artists, that's in, that's in combination with Jake and the Fat Man at that time. That I don't know what they were doing for him. Maybe doing the beats. Make, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. And then, for writers, Whitehead and McFadden. Do you know Whitehead and McFadden, Ash? I do. Yeah. Legends. Legends. Ain't no stopping it now. That is their big, that's their big single under their own, as artists themselves, but big time writers big time writers and uh yeah back in the 70s i'd say but you know why you know why they're really significant for me ash because whitehead he is the father of the whitehead brothers from 19s r&b fame yeah i did not know that yes man so anyone who remembers the whitehead brothers from from the 90s r&b times they did your love is like a one eight seven. Two hit wonders. Yeah, and uh, was it forget I was a G? Was that the other one? Yeah, yeah, yeah I was a G. Right, forget I was a G, and uh, your love's like a one eight seven. Big big hits back in the day, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they were his sons. So yeah, he's a he's the a, name makes sense now. The name make yeah exactly that. Yeah, they tried to ride off that wave, <laughs> as you would do. Why not? Anyway, so yeah. producers. Stone, Sadiq, Jake and the Fat Man, Carvin and Ivan. Uh, they turned up on Music Soul Child's album, did a bit of work and that. And one that surprised me out of nowhere, Swiss Beats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, Swiss Beats on here. So uh, this album, Pete, uh, number 22 in the US pop charts, number four on the R&B charts. Didn't make platinum, uh, but it was certified gold both in the States and in the UK as well. So, not bad. Not bad. Mm. No, I did good. All right. Should we just get into the... Uh, should we get into the singles? Yeah, let's let's get started. Let's so, get started. Opening single. Right. Opening single, and uh, in terms of release date, some conflicting uh, release dates here. So I've, I've got 28th of August and 25th of September. 2001 so either two months before the release date or a month before the release date the single brother was released 
Now, Ash, this song. In fact, it peaked number 52 in the US pop charts, number 30 in the US R&B charts, and number 37 in the UK. Written by Stone Sadiq, Jake and the Fat Man, and a gentleman called Harold Lilly, and produced by Sadiq and Jake and the Fat Man. Um, but this song also had a remix that I did not remember, Ash. There's so a reason you don't remember it. So there's Brother and Brother too. It's when I was listening to the album. I was like, what the hell is this? And then it was like Alicia Keys and Eva are in it. I was just like, it was, it was, it was blowing my mind. Like, why did I not remember this at all? And uh, yeah, but it's all about the, uh, it's all about the uh, original version. And this kind of reminds me of, it's like Sadiq was the go-to guy if you needed a lead single for your album at the time. Because he's he obviously did Soul Sister for Bilal as well. And this is kind of mm-hmm. in the same vein, maybe a bit more, a bit more, uh, for want of a better word, a bit more hip-hop, a bit more urban. you got the scratches in there. I guess that's Jake and the Fat Man's part of it, part of it, because that's not really Sadiq's style. And then, yeah, good tune, good tune really good really strong opening single the uh the doing the research the the remix was really popular again i don't remember that but you know it was so popular that um the record company pushed for it to be on be included on the album yeah i don't know man but again i reckon it's really good really good opening opening single um, I really like the video. I like the video. Do you know what? In, in, when, in many ways, the video has um, is usually stills of um, famous black men of the past and present, um, and the stills yeah. look kind of tacky because <laughs> it's like it's like these literally they've got these like pictures and scanned them in. Like it was two thousand and one. I don't know about the technology, but it looks kind of tacky. But at the same time, really effective, especially interspersed with obviously the footage of. Um, the actual main footage with her and her love interest. Did you realise that was Calvin Richardson as a love interest? No, I didn't. Yeah. Don't know Cal- what he looks like, just know the voice. Oh, do you not know what he looks like? Well, I did go I did go see him no. in, in Jazz Cab. Yeah. Can you see how things get messed up? So you go see Bilal, right, at a really memorable concert. I missed that concert, but I go see Calvin Richardson <laughs> at Jazz Cab. Like, wh- like, why? You know, there was about 20 people at that concert as well. There was about 20 people at that gig. <laughs> Yeah, it was a really odd gig, but we'll get back. I'll get into that later. Yes, so odd. Yeah, but yeah, just a really good opening single, and I reckon that um, I don't know. Just just reading up about it, um, yeah, I just think the whole was Eve on J Records too. So I I can just imagine that Clive Davis is like being like a J Records type thing, like you know, just getting other artists onto onto the remix because obviously Alicia Keys was riding high, Eve was riding high at the time, so. And I, I guess the. I don't think she was. I think I'm think pretty was. sure Eve was Interscope. Was she Interscope? Okay. But I yeah, feel like she was. Just really, just really effective, I guess. Um, as a you know, as propping up the opening single as well. Yeah, just, just good. How do you feel about this one? I think it is one of the strongest neo soul singles that that we've had. It goes down with video. Uh, in the mm. RE. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't find too many that match it in terms of one, the message and the power of the message that she's delivering. Two, in terms of the, the kind of star power in mm. terms of Angie Stone and Sadiq on production uh, and songwriting and like coming together. Um, and three like the sound like the, the capturing of the sound I, whenever i talk about sadiq i talk about this warmth that he has on his tracks and it, it's there in full effect and what was missing from soul sister in terms of a, a recognizable baseline influence is here it, it, it drives the track the boom, 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 boom. you know it's going there with those guitar guitar licks over it which just again pushes it along almost like a modern day blues song the way it just kind of rotates around nice. it doesn't yeah, really yeah. gear off mm-hmm. of that it doesn't really go to a massive middle eight or a massive bridge or a massive chorus it just it holds it there 
and just lets Angie run over it and deliver her sermon. And it's, you know, it, it works perfectly. But again, in terms of capturing a neo soul sound, like if I want to, if I want to tell someone asks me what neo soul is, this is one of the songs that I'm going to go to yeah, I and show them that this is what it's about. Mm-hmm. This, this is what it's an updated version of that 70s soul full of warmth, full of meaning, good quality vocals, a live music feel. Um, and it bangs like in terms of you've got that, that hip hop influence that has developed over the the eighties and nineties that wasn't there with seventies soul and has been able to just, they've been able to take a bit of it and put it into this. Um, and it is an absolute banger and guaranteed it is a reason why this, I mean, to be fair, her first album, you know, a lot of people talk about the the lead single off of that album. Um, my, I'm all cried out. My sunshine is gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and you know, it felt like that that gave her a lot of weight and carried her forward. And it must have done because she was on Arista Records, and they moved her over to Jay. Right. You know, as as their neo soul woman. Yeah. You know, like. They recognised that it was important to have someone like that. Even though they had keys, they didn't. They didn't want keys in that lane. They wanted someone else to be playing that lane. So, you know, she had a lot of standing. Yeah, and that's Go a big. And that's a big deal as well. You consider she's on Arista, and that's that's that was up to the formation of J Records that was headed by the legendary Clive Davis, and then he goes, he leaves Arista to go make to go form J Records, and he just takes, he brings her along, and that. Like as a, vote of, as a vote of confidence from somebody who's legendary, you know, like, you know, he's legendary in the careers of Aretha Franklin and Whitney Houston. So someone with that weight and that standing to be like, you're coming with me. I want you. That is, that's massive. That's massive. Just to go, yeah. um, you know, sorry, continue, Ash. Go, go ahead. And, he, uh, and yeah, and they, you know, they backed it up with this Mahogany Soul album being a better album than the first album, Absolutely. you know, and having this as its lead like having a lead single that just is as strong as this one is and making a, I don't know if it's making a statement, but it's more kind of solidifying her status as a credible neo soul artist uh, that at the time could have been seen as one of the pillars Mm. in, in hindsight, looking back, I don't think she is one of the pillars where we are now, which we'll get onto later, but, you know, it really kind of established her and made people want to go out and invest in this this second album and and make sure they got it and make sure they listened to it and carried on in the wave of of neo soul, which is what a lead single is supposed to do. Yeah, a lead single is supposed to sell the album and and the artist, and it this does like it just ticks it on. Yeah, so many levels. Awesome tune. It really does. Um, so. When I went back uh, to listen to the first album, uh, which is, what's it called? Black Diamond, right? Black Diamond, the first one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only song I could really remember was, was it Life Story? This is my mm-hmm. life. Whatever, that one. That's the only one I could remember. I couldn't remember any of the others. And so I can imagine that at that time, I was just, no, I had no interest in Angie Stone. So her bringing out a second album, it's just like, I just don't care. But this single, <laughs> this single just brought me right back. It's just like, oh, she's back. The only time I can I can really remember sort of like being so not on someone after their first album and then, and then them coming back on the second and just drawing me in is Joe. Joe, when Joe first came out, Joe, 90s R&B Joe, when he came out with that first album with I'm In Love On It, I'm just like, nah, I'm not having you, Joe. I'm not having you. I don't what? think you're all that. And then... I know that song was big, but then he comes back, yeah, mature with all the things your man won't do, like proper as a proper crooner, like singing it. And I'm just like, yo, I'm in. And I've yeah, been he in. He found his in. lane. He definitely found his he, lane. He found his lane, right? And that's how I, feel, that's how I kind of feel about um, Angie Stone on this album, man. She just like, from from this lead single, I was just like, yo, yeah, I, I, I kind of get it now. I, I get what she's about. You know what I mean? So yeah, great opening. But I think that's that's the only real difference between the first and the second album. The first album doesn't have hits. The second album does have hits. Mm. Like Mm. her sound is pretty consistent. It's just this one has been 
been pushed up a notch because it's got those hits, those standout hits that, that are undeniable. Yeah. And yeah. And reach out to more than just the soul audience. It right. it, it pulled a few more people in. Mm. Well, talking about bangers, that brings us on to release number two. Yo. Wish I didn't miss you. Whoa. Released June 24th, 2002. Written by Arvin and Mati- I- Ivan Matias, so part of the Carvin and Ivan crew. Um, a lady called Andrea, Mart- Andrea Martin. Obviously, McFadden and Whitehead. And Leon Huff. So, I missed Leon Huff. So, it was McFadden and Whitehead and a gentleman called Leon Huff. They wrote a song called Backstabbers for the legendary OJs. That's a tune in and of itself. Massive tune. Oh my gosh. Bang. What a banger. Anyway. So, and then, yeah. And then this, that sample, sample from that song is used for which I didn't miss you. And, uh, yeah, it's great. Produced by Ivan, Andrea Martin and Swiss Beats. Um, didn't do as well as Brother, but so number 79 in the US pop charts, number 31 on the R&B, US R&B charts. Number 30 in the UK, so did better than Brother in the UK. Not bad. But this song, Ash, as soon as you hear the you're in. And it just sounds, and it's got that old, do you know what I mean? So they've used the, I guess Backstabbers came out, what, early 70s maybe? But it's like they, they use that sort of like authentic old school quality. And they add to it, right? So her, those ooze aren't like modern day ooze. That sounds like she was there making the tune at the time. Sounds like straight from the seventies. And especially when it goes, ha ha, that kind of, well, you're like, yeah. And then she starts with the verses. Oh man, it's so frigging good. And then the chorus, it's like, you can't help but sing that chorus. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. We, we, I was listening to it in the car yesterday and me and my wife, we were just like, I wish, I, we were just taking different harmonies and you're just like, and it, it's just over and over again. Not much different happens in that song. There's no sort of like middle eight. It's just that sample over, over, but you just can't help but singing it. It's so good. And she sounds really nice on it. It's like her voice was made to be on a song from that era. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it fits it perfectly. And it's perfect tune. It's, it's a legendary track. I, I, I would say I reckon it's her most recognizable track, even though it didn't do, it didn't sell or, or, or do as well as Brother, but I think you play that anywhere and it's just like, and it's been remixed a few times. Like there's a really popular dance remix and um, which I saw in some notes that um, uh, a legendary club in Ibiza closed down and this was the last, the, 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 <laughs> the dance version was the last song ever played in this legendary place, played by Carl Cox in this leg- legendary place um, when it closed down. So yeah, it's just a banger, just a banger, a legendary track. And it's really difficult to create a legendary track from a legendary track because you think that it's, it's always going to be the elephant in the room. It's like, well, it's only good because of this tune because it's based on this tune. But I think they manage, all of them as a team, they manage to create something new from something old. And I just think it's amazing. Great work by everybody involved. Just just a great, great song. What are you saying? Mm. It, it's like they, they kind of, they took the sample and they kind of polished it up and revamped it. Because like, they haven't, they haven't done a lot with the sample. Like they, it, it, it is pretty much just a cut, but it's like they've just—it's just like they blasted it and turned it into stereo. Like, mm. and they've—they've they've just given it the two thousand and one treatment, so it just sounds fuller. Yeah, and it's, it's glossy, isn't it? Louder. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, just, there's just something mm. about it where when I when I listen to the the, the OJ's backstabbers, it just sounds a bit more faded so to speak mm. like there's there's power in their delivery and there's power in the groove and stuff but it just it, it, you know it sounds aged mm. um even and it's more than that it's just it's the sound of that era right you know, exactly. and the way things were recorded so it's like right they polished it up they've got it sounding digital yeah they've made it digital they've taken it from analog and made it digital but still given it that still had the analog warmth which is key like and i think that warmth comes from her 
and her knowing the sound and knowing right. what to do with her voice exactly. to get most the most out of the groove. But also, again, the message, like the songwriting, a great song has stuff that you can relate to and you sing along to in the shower when you're heartbroken or when you're upset or when you just want to let out all your emotions. And this is an anthem in exactly the same way that Brother is an anthem. This one is a massive anthem that, again, people can relate to and people want to sing along to on a Saturday night in the dance floor when they're trying to forget about someone else, but they can't. Um, or, you know, that you just want to drown your sorrows, like, but feel good about yourself and try and pick yourself up and get right. No, come on. I don't miss you anymore. I don't want to. Yeah. I do miss you. I don't want to miss you. You know, it's all of that. And, and it's, it's, universal, just it's just a universal message for, for everybody, man, woman, no matter what race you are, everyone can find something in that tune to, to, to latch onto. It's, it's just a really well done track. Hence why it's like, it's, it's one of her legendary tracks. Yeah. I've, I've I think got, this is the best of her songwriting as well. Like in terms of lyrically, um, you know, there's some some weird moments on on this album where I feel like there's a bit of lazy songwriting. But this, there are there are lots of real quality moments that show her off as a as a lyric writer and and a songwriter, telling stories um, and just the the tone and the attitude in her voice with her delivery as well. Again, like this isn't uh, like she's belting out the song in places, but like whenever I think about her voice, like I don't think of her. Uh, on Jill Scott levels of kind of really being a powerhouse or someone that's really got loads of ad libs and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's strong and it's quality, but there's just a, a, a like a, a real slight touch of attitude and, and fierceness or sassiness in her delivery. Like I can't quite find the right word, but there's just something there mm -hmm. in her attitude that just helps each line hit the point even even more and touch the emotions that it's supposed to touch um and yeah wicked tune and it is it is her legacy like there's, there's no getting away from it um but yeah i i think it's a great legacy song to have a lot of people don't have that no they don't no they don't so moving on to depending who you are uh third and final release or her penultimate release but i'm going third and final because I, I can't believe that the other song they said was released was released. I'm not having it. So, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that. <laughs> like, I've just decided to rewrite history. Um, so third release, More Than A Woman, released September 24th, 2002, written by Calvin Richardson, uh, Abelua Muhammad, Eddie Farrell, or Farrell, or Eddie F, people name is Eddie F, and Darren Lighty Clift and Clifton Lighty. Produced by Eddie F and Darren Lighty. Number four on the US R&B adult charts, which is slightly different from the normal R&B charts. I didn't chart on that other one. Ashley, for a long, 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 long time, this was my favorite tune on the album. And I think it was down to Calvin Richardson. I fell in love with Calvin Richardson's voice hence why I turned up at Jazz Cafe when there's only 20 people there I don't know what I was doing uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I fell in love with his voice um, and um, it started like a this is like the beginning of a great three year run for, for him so he had this tune right so more than a woman he wrote this tune and it turns up on this he manages to get on this album which is great then a year later he's on Raphael Sadiq's album, yeah, with Jill Scott again. I mean, not Jill Scott, with Andy Stone again on a song called Excuse Me, which is a banger as well. Love that. And his vocals yeah. are great on that, right? And then the next year, he releases his own his own uh, album. And he's got like a relatively, relatively, to, to moderate success, but there's some bangers on there as well. So it's a great three years for this guy. Um, yeah, and I think I was convinced that he he was going places. Uh, <laughs> shows what I know, but <laughs> anyway, I just think this is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song, beautiful uh, duet. Their voices really complement each other. Maybe because again, he's got an old school sound, 
he's like he's of the clearly of this kind of Sam Cooke uh, Bobby Womack school of singing and she's got that old school sound as well so I, th- I feel like their voices complement each other like really nice and I just it's just a tune but Ash did you know that there's another version kicking around where Calvin Richardson was taken off and replaced with Joe <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> Did you know that? No. I didn't know that. I was like, I was like, I go to Wikipedia and they were like, oh, uh, release blah, blah, blah. And with Joe. And I was like, Joe? I couldn't find the version, which is again, weird. Couldn't find the version. Um, but apparently it's a thing. Like the record company wanted someone bigger. So yeah, there's a version with Joe. And this make this then started started sort of like filling in some dots because Calvin Richardson has got this song on his album with mm. Andy Stone taken off. He sings the whole okay. tune on his album, so there's no Andy Stone, which I thought at the time that's weird. He's on her album, but she's not on his. So yeah, I think there was a come some serious uh, rec- record company shizzle that yeah people weren't happy about. But yeah, great song. And I and I and I feel like as well, um, Calvin Richardson and Andy Stone. Man, I think there was some. I think there was some something going on, because he's a love interest in brother, right? They do this tune. She takes him across to like do Raphael. I can't like why he's he. Why does Raphael Sadiq pick him to sing this tune? Could be anybody, you know. What I mean, I can understand him like saying, Andy, oh, but it couldn't be anyone. What to sing? Excuse it me. It couldn't be anyone. To sing, excuse the me. Part- to okay, do the part, and excuse me. Come on, he could. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Rafael Sadi could get anybody, but Andy's like, nah, man, it's my guy Calvin. And they, I was like, mm. and I started thinking about it. Were they, were they in a relationship? Because he does have. You look at him; he's got some serious, like, kind of knockoff D'Angelo vibes going on. Like, not quite <laughs> D'Angelo, <laughs> kind of like D'Angelo, but not quite D'Angelo. I'm like, mm. Mm, what's going on there? Anyway, fun and jokes aside, this is a great song. Really love this song. Um, I think this is kind of really. It almost reminds me, not quite in the same way, but it's got that sort of like easy listening, music soul child type vibe to it. You know, what I mean, it's got that music soul child yeah. neo soul to it, and I and I love that. Really clever lyrics. Um, like I said, their voices mesh really well. Just a really, just a, I think it's a great track, and it's just a, a, a strong third single too. I've, I've got no issues. I've got no issues with any of the singles, which is of, of this album, which is very rare. Especially not something we've said. Not something we've said, right? Really, we've always got issues. Yeah, but, and I just, yeah, and I, the order of it is great. You know what I mean? They, they put it out in the right order. Record company did a great job. I, I've got, yeah, yeah, it's great. What are you saying? Um, so I didn't realize until kind of doing, looking into this, like who the producers were of this track, that it was Eddie F and, uh, and like untouchables. That's, that's Donnell Jones. That's his team. Like they pulled Uh them in for this album, Uh right? These are the guys that did that. What, you know, you know, what's up? Yeah. Like, so again, we, we talk about the record label doing quality like they're bringing in quality producers and songwriters to work with her to pull this together. Um, I mean, and it's probably one of the other reasons why it's a single, as well as it being awesome. Like it's a strong name to be having and a hot name at the time. Um, Cause you know, after you know what's up, the, you know, that, that tune still, still bumps today and it's mm. still legendary. And, mm. uh, and it, and it's, it's a, one, it's a testament to the quality of this tune. And I think that's part of the reason why the song is as good as it is, is because they're on it. But two, what you just mentioned about that music soul child feel, like it kind of, it's one of those tunes that blurs the line between R&B and Neo soul um, and could kind of have a, has a foot in both camps. And again, these guys were R&B producers. So I feel like that that's why you get that feel from this song because it's it's got their R&B influence of the time meshed with R&B producers trying to make a neo soul tune basically and they do a bloody good job because it's it, it the the production on it is so nice 
Oh, it's man. so nice. Um, and it just it lays down a perfect backdrop for the two of them, Angie Stone and Gavin Richardson, to just do what they do best and sing great lyrics and tell a, an amazing love story. Like, it's a gorgeous song. Um, they sound so good together. Like, they just vocals complement each other wonderfully. And again, it's not it's not power ballad belting it out. No. It's just good quality singing, hitting your notes. You don't need to be too fancy. You can just use your character and use the, the power and strength in your voice to to stand out and show that you've got skills um, and that you can you can hold the mic and, and deliver. And this tune as a love song is yeah, it's one of the very best. I I, I don't think there's there's very many better duets or no. love song duets out there in this neo soul kind of bracket that we're looking at. It's really good. Really, no. really good. No. And uh yeah, like you say, there's a you know when it's a great song, when you don't have to when the vocalists can just sit easy on the song. They don't have to show all their chops because the melodies the melodies are strong you know you yeah. don't have to do it you don't have to do that that's hence why you know you get some songs that are just massive hits but the vocalists are average well, that's a great song you know you don't have to be yeah. a good, you don't have to be a great vocalist on a great song so ash the internet was saying that there was a fourth release but due to the nature of what the song is i'm calling bullshit on it so it's not it's not going in so the internet reckons <laughs> the internet reckons that bottles and cans was the fourth <laughs> release way in and and here here's here's why i think it's a bit bullshit as well i put it here apparently released in 2003 so like two years after what yeah that's why i said this but that's why i'm saying it's not i'm not it's not credible it's not a credible source maybe soundtrack link maybe soundtrack link maybe if anything but yeah i'm not saying but okay so for the first I think for the first time in this is the what the 16th pod we've done I've had a hard time with the best of the rest okay I've had a hard time with the best of the rest and as much as I'm saying this song (laughs) this song is not a single I love bottles and cans man don't hate me don't at me don't at me Ash I love this tune and it's mad right because why do you love it I'm, I'm gonna get into it dude it's, it's moist as hell it's moist as hell I'm like everyone coats me out when I talk about it and I sing it but it just gets something about the melody just gets in there right and it's it's it has no business being on this album, not because, not because it might, it's not a good song or whatever, but the style of it, right? It's got that. It's like, do you know what it sounds like? It sounds, it sounds like a song that was so moist it didn't make it onto Indiari's Acoustic Soul album. It sounds like it should be on Acoustic Soul, but she was like, "Oh no, I've got better songs than this, so it won't go on Acoustic Soul." But it's that weird. It's got, it's got that guitar going on, and it sounds, it sounds like. Indiari. Very sound, country. Yeah, it sounds like... Do you remember um, from the 90s, Dion Farris? And she did Hopeless. Not really. It was on the Love Jones. Although I probably would know the tune. You know the tune. But, but yeah. that song in itself was written by uh, Van Hunt. We were talking about Van Hunt last week. That was written by oh, Van yeah, Hunt. Yeah. So I was convinced that this was... And on Van Hunt's album, Van Hunt's got a couple of tunes that I like this. You remember Precious? Precious got that guitar, mm-hmm. right? And, and I was like, I'm convinced... Van Hunt wrote this, but he didn't. A guy called Gerald Isaac did it. But I just love it, Ash. But I think it's because I like the acoustic guitar and I kind of like that country folk sound sometimes, especially when it meets like a soulful voice on top of it. Probably why I like Indiari so much. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but I know it's like, it's not a great song. I'm fully aware. I'm fully aware it's not a great song, but I just like it. What am I going to do? And the other one I like, and this is like a cheat, $20 is a nothing song but they use they use the uh, Al Green sample Simply Beautiful sample and which is one of my favourite songs ever so as a cheat I like that song but I know it's not a good song it's not I mean but she does some she does have a cool BV line in the uh, in the bridges what have you done for me yeah the way the way the BV sing that 
that works for me. But again, I mean, it's a good story. It's, she it's, tells it's a, a good, good story. It's a, it's a good story, but it's a nothing song, really. Um, and at a push, maybe at a push, <laughs> at a push. This is this is wild. Uh, at a push, I could maybe say snowflake sometimes. I mean, snowflakes okay. sometimes, but that's all I got, man. That's all I got. What are you saying? None of those. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's what I mean. It's difficult. <laughs> I, knew, I mean, look, I, 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 I mean, all of those songs, TB, I, I think Snowflake is my, my favourite of the ones you've said. Yeah. Um, probably because of where it's placed in the album as well. And it's, it's still in the mix of everything else. All the so good you, stuff, you, yeah. Yeah, so you're kind of still listening. And, and it's there because it's it's a half, it's a good song. It's mm. a good song. Um, and I think all of them have good melodies and, and good hooks. I don't think lyrically they're, they're great. This is where it kind of leads into what I was saying earlier about some of these tracks. There's a bit, not late, lazy is probably the wrong word, but just obvious and just like, what? Bottles mm. and cans, really? Mm. really come on give me something else mm -hmm. like you know just just give me a give me something more than that on a on an album of this caliber of an artist with with this much experience uh not that i was thinking that at the time but mm. you know like just come with something a bit stronger or just don't don't come with it like <sighs> leave it off we don't need it like yeah. you know um but yeah my my best of the rest uh i mean yeah standout is my boy music soul child see uh the ingredients of love like no i can't get that's a that. guitar groove jay yeah but i can't that's get a it that is built around yeah. a mad guitar riff. i know it is yeah i can't get into it what i can't get into it and you know what Ash, this is crazy and when you know when i'm out i'm in when it starts off and it starts off with the with, with the riff i'm in i'm like ah, oh, it's hard and then when music comes in with yeah 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 i'm like nah nah i don't want to hear you on here music I, I love you but i don't want to hear you right now and i skip it i'm out and then i, I, I and then the chorus no 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 i can't be <laughs> i can't be dealing with it it's getting skipped I mean, I know it very well. No. I mean, I've listened to this album enough to, to like, I know it. And it's probably, you know, objectively, it's like a best of the rest. It's a, it's a good tune. I'm not saying it's not a good tune, but I just can't, I can't get in. I can't, I can't get down with it. I I, I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't work. They're backing and forth in at the end. They're ad-libbing together. Yeah, they're doing, really they're, cool at they're the doing the their track. thing. Like, you know, I think he, I think he does a great job coming together on it. And obviously, again, from a, from a marketing perspective, from a building the Neo Soul community mm. perspective as well. I mm. love the fact that the two of them are together on it and she's pulled him onto this album and she's got a great performance out of him. She doesn't try and push him to do to do something that he can't no, do, he that does, he can't he, deliver. He definitely does like, what he does. He, he does what he does. He definitely yeah, does what he does. And he, Absolutely. you know, I can't believe you don't like it. You're mad. <laughs> uh, anyway. I know. Um, I know. But, you know, other than that... Not again, really, right? That's what a, I mean. It's, it's a real, really real struggle. Difficult. I mean, you know, like, you've got What You're Dying For, which is yeah. Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Yeah. Bob Powers on there. Right. You know, like, powerhouses, right? So we, we've got powerhouse producers that we've spoken about on this podcast delivering magical, amazing moments. This, this is the guys behind Brown Sugar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but this, this is, is what they're coming with for Angie Stone. It's it's, Come it's on, man. wild, isn't it? It makes I, no sense. I, I would not, yeah, I would not be having that. If if I was if I was an A and R, if I was the A and R of this record, or you know, the label chief or whatever, like I, there's much respect to you guys, but no, we need we need something more. This isn't what we come for. And again, like the the message behind the song is is fair. It's strong. It's just not a strong song. Like and it should be better when they're being and she would have probably been there at Brown Sugar. She would have, she would have been around that, so she knows what they're capable of. She knows what they can do. Like come better, give me give me something else, you know. Right. Uh, so yeah. To to be fair, I think I, I think I like the making of you, the interlude. 
like oh, more than nice. I like some of these songs. But I do add it in know? because it's it's an interlude. But yeah, that's nice. It's yeah. an interlude. Yeah, yeah, you know that's really nice. But, but like yeah. it's it's just so when I when I think about her albums, when I when I'm thought about this series, like it was always this album that we needed to do. It should have been a stronger album. There shouldn't be this much filler, much filler on there, given that they've put money into it. Given that this is J Records, this is their signature neo soul album. This is in their early days. They were formed in two thousand. There was a big deal about them being formed, so they've had massive success with Alicia Keys. Like, you know, this is this is supposed to be better than what it is, um, right? In my humble opinion, and all they got right were the singles, right? No, that's exactly. harsh. And but they got the singles very right. And this is this is good time to get on to the legacy, right? And I think this that is what impacts on the legacy because it's they should have they should have done a better album. They should have made a better album, right? But in any I I believe in any other in every other time period that wasn't the time period of two thousand to two thousand and two or three I think she'd have gotten away with it. I think you'd be able to get away with it. And I think this album would be viewed very different because there are, there are years. I mean, I've listened to, I mean, as much as I love Stevie Wonder and I love Stevie Wonder, he's done a, a, a shitload of albums. Some of them was albums. It's like two or three tunes are good, but they're like, they're legendary albums. Right. But it's like, you really realistically, you're like, no, oh, I, I really like like three songs off here. So in another era, you, she might have been able to get away with it and this would be like, oh, Mahogany Soul is legendary. But during 2000 to 2002, three, but especially 2001, it's a sick year for music. It's a sick year for albums, like really tough. I mean, when you think about it, like 2001, you had Maxwell came out with Now. You got Alicia Keys coming out. You got, uh, uh, you've got the year before you just had, you had Erica, you had Erica, but you had Mama's Gun still out, but because it, because these things cross over two years, right? So in the charts, you still had, you still had these big artists with these big albums. You had, you know, Bilal in there, which is a great album in and of itself, you know, it's, and it's weird that I saw uh, some review reviews of uh Mahogany Soul and the uh the reviewer was saying like in a year where you've had uh strong albums from Alicia Keys and Bilal and like Maxwell this holds its own and I'm like no it doesn't <laughs> no it doesn't dude it, it 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 does not right and it's it's proven not not I'm not trying to say like the awards and nominations that is um, an indicator of quality, but I think in some in this case it, it is it is good. She's this this album got one nomination uh, for best uh, duo vocal duo for more than a woman, right? When you look at the other albums that were in and out that time, like they they fared way better in terms of Grammy nominations. You know, what I mean, not to mention like what the Soul Train Awards would have been or whatever like that. So you know that. The people kind of know about this stuff. I'm not saying like the Grammys are always right, but people, people knew that this album wasn't of the caliber of some some of the others of that time, and I think, I think that hurts her. I think it hurt the album. It's like one of the few albums that we speak about that didn't go, especially around this period, that didn't go at least platinum. Right? I don't. I don't can't remember the last time we actually did a pod on an album that didn't go platinum. You know. And again, I'm not saying sales are an indicator of quality. But when you could, when you think that Firstborn Second went platinum and Bilal's a brand new artist at the time, do you get what I mean? So, and she's coming off, you know, a debut album. Like this is a, this is a second album. This is her coming out. This is the, this is the one with all the legendary tunes. It's still not quite there yet in terms of you thinking about all the, all the other albums we've done around about that time. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's her problem. And I think her legacy now is that I saw an interview and the guy was referring to her as the Queen of Soul. I was like, nah, 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 nah. You're just being nice because it's, because it's Angie Stone <laughs> and we love Angie Stone. She's nice. She comes across really well on interviews and she's cool and she's quite empowering for women. And uh, like, you know, like she's, she's 
if I was, if she's going to be anything, she's the great godmother of Neil Soul, maybe, but she's not the queen. That the queen is Jill Scott or Erica Badu. They're, they're the queen, you know. Depending where you land on who you prefer, she doesn't have that. But her legacy now is. I think sometimes people actually remember that the way to remember her is actually being better than she actually was, or having more success than she actually did. Um, and I feel like, yeah, her legacy is that she should have been in another era. She'd have been bigger. She'd have been a bigger star, and Mahogany's soul would have been spoken about differently. Because no one ever speaks about Angie Stone albums. They speak about Angie Stone tunes. Do you know what I mean? Whereas with with some of the other artists we've done, that we're talking about their albums, people are like, oh, Brown Sugar, Voodoo. Do you know what I mean? Like they, their names got weight. You know, Urban Hang Suite, the names have weight. Whereas Mahogany Soul is just like, oh yeah, it's a Mahogany Soul. That's me. What are you, what are you saying? Um, yeah, it's hard to hard to disagree with with a lot of what you're saying. I don't I don't put her in that top tier that Badu and and Scott are in. Um, she's not there. This was the second album. The first album was solid. There was a lot of investment in it by all accounts. Um, you know, and yeah, it should have been better. It should have been better than what it was. What I what I feel kind of digging into it a bit more. So I, I didn't really, I didn't realize her age. Um, you know, she, she was a lot, she, she is older than, than everyone by, that was by, bringing out the music by, at by that time. Eight or 10 years, I think, Good. like older. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, she, she had a, her first successes in like, you know, early eighties, early 80s, Sugar Hill Gang. Hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Right. She was rolling around with Sugar Hill Gang doing stuff in her in her kind of girl group. Oh, I should really know it. Sequence, is it Sequence? Uh, I've, got um, it. I've got it here. You know, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. A trio, like, mm-hmm. and she she compares herself a lot. Oh, sorry. She says that, you know, what she was doing then is what Lauren Hill then went, oh, yeah. took that model uh, and went on to do with the Fugees. So almost like she laid out a bit of a blueprint then for her to kind of go on for Lauren Hill to then take that and go on with the singing in rap and and you know, which is powerful and it and it's a strong statement and you know, I, I feel like it's it's a perfectly valid statement. I don't feel like she's she's trying to beg it by saying that. Like I think it it adds weight. So the point that I'm trying to make is, you know, in the early eighties she had her fire. And she had her raw kind of creative oomph, for want of a better word. You know, that's when it was flowing. That's when she could be um, at, at the height of, at the height of art, at, at her kind of pushing her boundaries. Whereas you get down to 2000 and she's been in the game for a good 20 years and she's releasing her second album and, she is she has all of this musical history yeah, like yeah. she grew up in those 70s which is why when we talk about i wish you didn't i wish i didn't miss you so much miss you anymore and her and her voice sounded perfect on it it's because she grew up with it it's because that's her sound like her sound is old soul yeah you can like, hear it you that's can hear it what in she her, does best her vocals her vocals aren't yeah. sort of like you know they're not current they, they don't sound current in any way form or fashion so it doesn't it doesn't push the boundaries in the way that some of her her, her kind of sister and her, her kind of fellow peers did they did push it on a bit more what she did and what and she talks about she talks about legacy so much and being loyal to the people that came before which is you know which is very true but it shows as well that like a lot of her inspiration does come from that past and and she pays it in so much high high respect that I don't think she ever really kind of tried to push things on a little bit. And, you know, don't be fair, you know, that third album, the lead single's got Snoop, Snoop on it. You know, that's that's a, big, that's a big deal for a Neo Soul record in 2003 having Snoop on there. Like, you know, but... You know, I just think she's good at old soul and that's that's the lane and part of the reason why I don't think she really ever had 
the impact that someone of her quality and some of her of her experience could have had. Um, but nonetheless, like we still need to talk about this album, and it's still yeah. got songs that, like we said, define a sound. Like I can quite easily take Brother and say this is Neo Soul, and in the same respect, I can take I Wish I Didn't Miss You Anymore and say this is a banger that that crosses generations and musical genres and is just a hit, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so she's got all of that and she's got a great legacy. Um, that one that she's probably happy with and one that a lot of artists would be happy with, to be fair. Like, let's not forget, we are, we are holding her up against some of the greatest albums of all time in, in our humble opinions to a certain extent. But like, Brown Sugar, Voodoo, Baduism, Mama's mm. Gun, mm. you know, they, Urban Hang Sweet, they, they are iconic albums and they set a very high bar. And it, very. you know, Eric Benet couldn't reach it, you know, with Sean Patterson with a bit of better marking might have been able to, to reach it, you know, but it's, it's a really high standard. And for me, this is, this is one of the albums where we start to see the dip. And we start to see the the leveling out of kind of quality and the reasons why the scene didn't kind of continue to grow or evolve, which can be the same the same of, of all scenes of music and all stars of music. You know, mm-hmm. it, it has its moment and then it kind of starts to to drop down and that makes space for the new to come through. But this is definitely an album where we're not we're not talking about it being one of the greatest albums, we're talking about being a good album. And it's a, it's a bit of a sign of what's to come in terms of a, a generalization of the sound and that things just don't really hit you the way it could have done, yeah. the way it would have done. If this album had come out before Jill Scott's, we might have liked it more. We yeah. might have been talking about it a bit more. Exactly. You know? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It didn't. Uh, yeah, in terms of the actual album itself as well, I don't want to, I wasn't there, but it just feels a bit rushed where, and it doesn't mm. feel like there's there's been a lot of love and care there's this feels like there's been a lot of love and care over the singles like whoever was involved in that and in terms of actually musically and 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 on the business side of things it was it, it was a is it worked it was great the, the singles work but as a as a full piece of art it just it just doesn't feel as lovingly put together or is carefully put together it doesn't feel like this was written over like three or four years do you know what i mean with and it had they discarded a thousand other tunes to to make sure that this whole entire album was was absolutely right every song was there because it was the best song for this album it doesn't yeah. it doesn't do you know what i mean as as we just spoke about bilal last week and man you know some serious creativity and thought went into that album and those songs, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's a shame. It's, I, I, I just think it's a shame. I always feel like when I get to this legacy part of the podcast, I'm always like, everything's a shame. Everything's a shame. Like <laughs> everyone's legacy is bad. But it's not, she doesn't have a bad legacy. It's just, you know, sometimes it's that, it's that thought where you feel like someone could, could have done more and been more, so you just like lament that they could have been more. And again, said it before with Angie Stone, she's got that likable personality, you know, like really likable, <laughs> really auntie. Yeah, re- yeah, yeah, kind of auntie and kind of like over the whole I'm a celebrity or I'm an artist, I'm or I'm a tortured artist. Like one of the few, especially around this time, who's not sort of like because I would say. Apart from yeah, Jill Scott is the other one that's that's kind of likable. But I feel like even Jill Scott is a bit like I'm a I'm an artist, I'm a poet, I'm a this, I'm I do this and I create this and this is who I am and blah blah blah. Jill Scott just doesn't have Jill Scott. Angie Stone just is doesn't have. I'm not saying they're all pretentious, but there's no there's no pretentiousness there with with Angie Stone. Just like it's, you get that sense. What you see is what you get. 
Do you know what I mean? He's like, if you bumped into her in the street, she'd be like, hey, how you doing? Like, be like mad cool, where you're never sure with some of those other artists, like, oh man, are they just going to be artists with you? <laughs> and it's going to be like tortured. Like, no, I can't talk. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> I can't. So She's this- grown. She's grown. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Right. Like she got that maturity, been there, she's right? Done it, you know? she's been that, yeah. yeah. Like this is a, this is this was like what her second stab at the music as a, a music career, right? She had the eighties period, and then this is the this is the second one, right? Because she's she has the eighties period, and then she she does like session work and BVs for people after that, right? And writing work, and then this is yeah. a second big deal where you know she as a she gets a chance to be an artist in her own right. So, yeah, right. Maybe she's over that. She's seen the industry, you know, and how it can be crap and terrible and destroy people. So maybe uh, she's like over it. Yeah. But yeah, because of that, you like her and you just like want her to do well. You know. Hey. Mm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. 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 Did she, she's got writing, she's got writing credits on Brown Sugar, right? Or is it Voodoo? Brown Sugar, she does, right? It must be brown sugar. Yeah, that would be voodoo. Yeah, but because we did brown sugar so long ago, I can't remember. But yeah, but yeah, she can write. She can write. We know, and so yeah, it's just a shame that more time wasn't put put into some of those album tracks. But hey, you can't have everything. So, despite all that, it sounds like we're we're a bit down on this album. We're not. It's worth a listen. It's worth a listen. Um there's good stuff on there yeah yeah let's put it right like we wouldn't yeah. be covering it if we didn't exactly. think it it should be being covered and it it should be it should hold some weight and yeah that you shouldn't be going out and listening to it if you haven't listened to it already like uh-huh. you should definitely be checking it out um because there are some some real iconic moments on this and it and even if you've heard those iconic moments already it's always good to kind of hear what else was around it and what the artist was doing if you've only ever heard um i wish i didn't miss you like it's worth just seeing what else she did you know and that time period and what that what that song was a part of you know what the body of work is because we are at a time when even though this album didn't quite hit as much as it we would have liked it to as a body of work artists still were delivering albums as body of works and it wasn't just about one hit stream one hit stream one hit stream yeah, you know absolutely. it was about giving that that full collection and that and that was across the genres actually if we're ever gonna if we yeah. ever wanted to do a year in music 2001 could be that year in music 8701 came out <laughs> like another banger like a, as, as a body of work i think usher's best best piece of work i i, I would say better than confessions definitely so 87 so it was just a really strong year for albums like yeah when i was looking through it i was like my gosh so much good stuff came out in 2001 it's hard Mm. it just would have been hard to make an impact when you've got like i'm I'm checking out the charts i just see i just oh man i mean just the fact that you've got uh songs in a minor and 8701 like they were just they they dominated a lot of awards that year I mean I know Alicia Keys is well documented well documented that Songs in A Minor did really well but 87 on 1 for Usher Key was up in a lot of the male categories yeah and won a lot yeah, yeah rightly so I, rightly so great album great 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 album but yeah so that's that people check out 87 on 1 really <laughs> check it out it's banger of an album you know like I don't know like some people who listen to it they might be like oh we don't do 90s R&B or whatever we're here for like for the for the good stuff like Neo Soul good stuff but I'm telling you 8701 transcends 90s R&B or of, of that of artists of that type it is a great album am I lying Ash? No, it's an MJ moment. I'm telling you, son. It's an, it's an MJ moment. Say different it's gravy. A, I didn't even it's know. A, it's an off the wall thriller moment. I didn't know he had it in him. Trust me. Trust me. When you when you when you imagine that no, he uh, did. Yeah. What was the album before? I can never remember the name. <laughs> Jam before my way. My way was before eighty-seven. Yeah. When you think how great my way was, right? And yeah, then set to come him up back for it. to come back with eighty-seven and one. Come on, son. Oh, anyway. We might do Usher one day. <laughs> He's definitely worth a conversation. Um, cool. Ash. Ash recommends. Hit us up. Uh, album. 
uh, new album from I know I'm never sure how to pronounce his name, but Katie Katie Tatham. Uh, that's K A I D I and then T A T H A M. Um, British producer, instrumentalist, just really good kind of merging of soulful. Um, what's what's the sound? What's a broken beat type stuff? Like just really interesting, eclectic stuff. Good grooves. Um, yeah, and not too much. Not too much vocals, just it's more about the music and more about the stuff that's going on in the music. And it's, yeah, good quality stuff. So if you like your instrumentation like I do, mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Cool. Loads of good stuff on there. Good. All right. Brings us to the end. It's been a great one, as per usual. Um, you can find us at all the regular places. <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> reflection music podcast look us up on twitter on instagram uh we are there engage in the the conversation let us know what you're thinking give us some feedback on on the episode is please do are we right to be belittling angie stone the way we are or is this one of the great is she better than badu and scott maybe i should put that in a poll who's better badu scott or or uh or stone that would be interesting but um no, I don't think it would be interesting, but I think it'd be straightforward. Who would win? win? Badu would win. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Badu would win. You, the way you said it, I thought you were going to say Jill Scott. But you know what? Jill Scott has her fans, man. She has I'm her fans. I'm not that. She has her fans. You know what? That. I was, it was, it was weird. Uh, just to, just to go back to the, the their verses. It was weird, the split. I mean, for me, it's always Erica every time, but the split, from people are speaking to and some of the comments I was just like wow Jill she has a like my brother is Jill Scott all, all the way I didn't even know that until that time I was like hmm do you know what I mean but like I think a lot of, a lot of that is her personality and coming across as more accessible yeah, yeah, yeah. and, more and accessible. which to bring it back to Stone and you already mentioned it it's part of the reason why mm-hmm. her legacy is quite strong yeah it's, it's that likability mm-hmm. and that relatability that people have to wear. Uh, um, you know, she's very good at that. It goes a long way. And uh, yeah. Massively. It, it reminds me of when we were speaking about music, Soul Child. Again, the, the, the likability factor, you know? So. But, but this is the thing, like, as there is so much music out there, so much music out there. Like, how are you going to get someone to give up their time to invest in you and listen to your opinion about? a certain subject when I could be listening to X, Y, and Z. Like Absolutely. you've got to let them in. Your personality has to come across you. You know, you've, you've got, they've got to be able to tap into you and want to be part of your tribe. You know, mm. that's a, a big thing being part of a tribe. Um, and yeah, if there's an artist, you can't do that and you alienate your fans and supporters. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, it's not just about the music peeps. It's not just about the music. and uh, that's a good way good good place to end thank you as always Ash indeed thank you sir thank you for listening guys appreciate it thanks for listening every time and uh, see you on the next one bye bye